The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Thank you so much for joining us on the Paul Leslie Hour. This episode is with Rose Kingsley. She's an opera great turned jazz great, a singer and recording artist. She's performed at such renowned venues as the Metropolitan Opera, Carnegie Hall, Steinway Hall, the Houston Grand Opera, to name just a few. She has a full-length album, This Is My Life. It's a great pleasure to welcome you. Well, it's a great pleasure to be on your show, Paul. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> yes, I, um, I've, I've run the gamut here from opera to jazz, and it's, uh, it's been very exciting. And I kind of get to use my four-octave range, which is unique, I think. <laughs> Do you have a favorite genre of music to sing, whether it be opera or jazz or blues? Well, you know, opera has been a part of my life for so many years, uh, for a majority of my life. So opera will always have a spot in my heart, and that's the passion, and opera is passion. Now that I'm singing jazz and blues, I'm finding that I am having more freedom to express myself uh, in, a, in a way than opera, because opera is so, everything has to be on the beat. And, you know, you've sung a dotted eighth note instead of a dotted quarter note. But now I'm finding with jazz and especially blues, ooh, I love the blues, I can just have fun and give it my heart and soul. <laughs> That's wonderful. A lot of the songs that you perform are what we call the Great American Songbook. Yes. What is it about those particular songs that you, you find so rewarding to sing? Well, I feel that um, they represent a lot of my life, and uh, I think a lot of the the audience's life, too, because it's written about... It's written about love. It's written about uh, having your heart broken. Um, it's it's about maybe losing someone um, in your life. So it encompasses a whole genre of emotions and feelings, and uh, people relate to that. They really do. In opera, unfortunately, we do have the same kind of feelings of love and passion and and loss and tragedy, but I think the, um, the 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 vast audiences don't understand that, mainly because it's sometimes in another language. Yeah, the Great American Songbook just just encompasses everything that that you do experience in life. I would have to agree with you there. Do you have a favorite songwriter, or would it be possible to pick a favorite? <laughs> Oh my gosh, you know, so many great, great songwriters that, uh, oh, um, well, I guess right now, because I'm so connected to the Mercer family, my um, musical director is 
the son-in-law of Johnny Mercer, who not only was his son-in-law, but also was his music collaborator and pianist for over 20 years. So um, we do a show called Through the Years with Johnny Mercer. Johnny wrote, was so prolific, and he wrote over 1,400 songs, probably more than any other um, great American uh, composer, great American songbook composer. And I relate to um, his music. I relate to his lyrics. Uh, Johnny was a poet, and he was so... Nobody could express his feelings like Johnny Mercer in a song. So, yeah, I guess... You know, I, I, I can say that Johnny is, is one of my favorites. Um, and of course, there's the Bergmans, Alan and Marilyn Bergman, you know, who wrote um, The Way We Were, You Don't Bring Me Flowers. I mean, they're, they touch your heart and soul also. And of course, you can't get, you know, you, you can't forget Cole, Cole Porter. And, uh, you know, I mean, I could go on and on. Um, but right now, I guess my specialty is with the Mercers. Speaking of the Mercer songwriting, I was listening to your rendition of one of his most famous songs, and it yeah. appears on your album, and I was hoping we could get into the album. It's called This Is My Life, and the song I was referencing, of course, One For My Baby. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because Bob Corwin, who is my musical director and was Johnny's son-in-law, you know, when we started to arrange that, Bob said, well, you know, basically this song has only been sung by males. Not too many females have sung it. I think you probably could count on your hand even maybe three three female singers who have sung that. I think one of them was Ella Fitzgerald. And I said, you know, I feel it. I feel it. I, first of all, I cannot sing anything I don't feel. I have to feel the song before I can really take it on and, and, it, and call it the, my own. So we started One for My Baby, and um, Bob said to me, you know what? You nail this. You really, really nail this. And he said, I haven't heard too many, you know, women really nail it. So it's become one of my um, signature songs, and we have so much fun with it because I um, I did a show in San Diego um, not too long ago, and there was a bar, and at the last minute I said to the bartender, hey, do you mind if when I start to do the song, I come off the stage, sit at the bar, and that's what the song is about, you know, telling telling my sad story that, you know, I lost my guy and I'm devastated. So pour me another round, you know, and uh, cheer. So he looked at me, he goes, sure. So when it came time for the song, I sat down at the bar and I looked at him and I said, you know, you just stand there, don't move, pretend you're listening to me. And he did. And then he poured me a pink, what was to have been a pink martini. And he sat it in front of me and I told him my story because it's a story, you know, lyrics are a story. And what makes you, I think, a great singer is not only the voice and maybe sometimes it's not the voice, but it's how you tell the story. And I think because I've been in the opera world for so long, we tell a story. So that's what makes it special is 
how do you tell that story so that the audience goes, yeah, I feel it. Boy, I feel your sorrow, you know. So, um, yeah, that's, I love that song. I do. And, and it's funny how you zeroed in on that. So how did you go about picking these songs that appeared on? Okay, I picked the songs because, I, as I said, I can't sing anything I don't feel. And I felt that the majority of those songs were not only the songs that I feel, but also the songs that are a part of my life. They all mean a little something in my life. I start out, my first song on the album is Here's to Life, which was written by Artie Butler, who is fabulous. And it's about here's to life. You know, here's to, here's to the happiness and yet here's to the sorrow, which I've experienced a lot, quite a bit of sorrow in my life. So that starts out the album. And then, of course, The Rainbow you know, somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah, that was that was my pick because it was a dream that I had when I was a little girl. I knew I wanted to be on the stage. I knew I wanted to be a performer and a singer. So, so that's that's how most of the songs were really chosen, and especially especially the last one, um, "This Is My Life," which is a very powerful song. And Shirley Bassey sang it, but she did it very, very up-tempy. I made it a ballad, and I felt as a ballad, it, for me, it, it brought me more emotion. Something that a lot of people may not know about you was that you have a strong interest in space exploration, I do, I do, and that started when I was like nine years old, and they introduced the original seven Mercury astronauts to go into space, and for some reason, I was just so fascinated by that, and uh, followed the space program, and actually, when I was 12 years old, entered a science contest, I built a replica of the uh, first Mercury space capsule, and then... um, kind of followed the program, and of course my music took over, but I, space was always my secondary interest. And um, when I was living in Houston and singing in Houston, where um, I met some people from NASA. We lived, we lived in the same community. And I voiced my interest in space, and uh, one of the flight surgeons at the time came to me and he said, how would you like to put your money where your mouth is? And I said, excuse me? And he said, this was the time they were picking civilians to fly the shuttle. Um, Jake Gardner, a senator, and then, of course, you know, Krista McAuliffe, the teacher. And I said, are you kidding? And he said, well, let me tell you, when we picked the first artist to fly the shuttle, if you come over and start training with the astronauts, you'll be the first to go. And I couldn't believe he was saying this. So I said, sure. So when I wasn't singing, I went over and started training um, in the simulator with, in the actual shuttle, in the actual shuttle simulator and uh, flew the 135 C's when I did weightlessness. And um, I was excited. And then of course the Challenger incident occurred and uh, all civilians were scrapped. So I almost, almost, almost got my 
got my shot at uh, looking at Earth from uh, from another perspective. But then not too long after that, a couple of years later, I uh, met a wonderful composer who was not only an opera composer, but was also a, um, he got his PhD in aerospace sciences. And uh, I was I was very excited to meet him, and we composed an opera about an actual mission called Apollo 14 Space Opera. <laughs> Interesting. So um, that opera uh, debuted uh, at the New York City Opera de Ray Reviews, and we also debuted it on the West Coast. But Apollo 14 is about the mission of Commander Alan Shepard and Edgar Mitchell and what they found on the moon and what occurred and um, what occurred emotionally between the two of them. So um, it's it's exciting. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. So what is it about the space that you find so fascinating and enthralling? Probably um, exploring the unknown, exploring to see uh, – what what's out there and and uh curiosity of just you know finding me who knows maybe finding you know other other life on, on in other solar systems but it's just it's the heavens you know people call it the heavens yeah it is it's about the heavens and and the stars and uh Maybe there's a correlation in my music of reaching for the stars hmm. and being and being amongst the stars. <laughs> yeah, well, think about all of the classic songs from the American Songbook that somehow mentioned the moon. There's, oh. <laughs> there's, yeah, that's true. There's so many. Uh, I, well, and of course, and I have to tell you about the um, anecdote to this one. A Mercer song called Moon River. Oh, yeah. Which, um, you know, of course, won, uh, Johnny won five Academy Awards, and that was one of them. And ironically, Johnny, when he wrote the song, it was going to be called Blue River. Interesting. That was the, that was the original title. And then Johnny was looking in a magazine one day, and he saw a picture of a moon over a river. And he changed the title of the song. Fascinating. So it was going to be Blue River, now it's Moon River. And that's just like one of my stories that we tell in my show through the years with Johnny Mercer, because every song that we sing has a story to it. So it's, it's cool, it really is. We were mentioning at the beginning of the interview all of these venues that you've performed in. Would it be possible to pick your favorite stage, your favorite place? doesn't necessarily have to be a, a music hall. Any place that you have found this was your favorite place to sing? Well, recently I did. I've done two shows at um, Michael Feinstein's 54 Below in New York. I have to definitely, definitely put that in there. Carnegie Hall. Oh my gosh, Carnegie Hall. <laughs> it's a shrine, you know, to sing at Carnegie Hall. Do I get one choice, two choices, three? <laughs> as many as you need. Oh, and oh my gosh. Oh, well, I have to say that 
I have also sung in the Astrodome many times. Uh-huh. Uh, Houston, I did the. Uh, I was one when I lived in Houston. I was one of their favorites for doing the national anthem, and uh, I did the national anthem for quite a few of the NFL teams as well as Major League Baseball teams. And uh, I did the Monday night game of the week uh, when it was at the time when the uh, Houston Oilers were in Texas and they were playing the New York Giants. And and then uh, Frank Gifford had me up in the booth and was asking me all about singing the national anthem. And, and then somebody whispered to me, you know why he's asking you that? And I said, no. And he said, because Kathy Lee Gifford would be singing that at the Super Bowl. And I went, ah, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, oh, my gosh. One of my favorites is also I sing in Hollywood at the Catalina Jazz Club, and that's been cool. That I, I love the acoustics there. I love the energy there. And I do so many performing arts centers. Performing arts centers are, are great because it gives me that feeling, again, of being on the opera stage. And, you know, in the opera world, we sing for anywhere from two to 4,000 people at a time, and people are very quiet. And sometimes in a jazz club, people aren't always quiet. (laughs) And uh, being the diva I am, I need silence. (laughs) You like an attentive audience. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, if they're not, you know, as as a performer, you play off the energy of your audience. You know, I can do the same opera 10 nights in a row. But there's always a different feeling. There's always a a different... People say, well, don't you get bored doing the same thing night after night? No, because your audience is different. Your energy from the audience is different. So if I don't have the audience's attention, it's to me, it's like singing to a wall. Hmm, yeah. You know, I have to play. If they're happy and they're like, oh, they're, they're, they're on every word I'm saying, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's going to make me an even more, um, you know, exciting performer because I know, I know they're listening to me and I know they're feeling what I'm feeling. I want to call the attention of the listeners to your website. It's rosekingsley.com and... There's lots of stuff on there, links to the music, events, press, and reviews. And then there's also some really great photos. (laughs) There's some pictures of you with everyone from Quincy Jones to Steve Tyrell, as we mentioned in this interview, Alan and Marilyn Bergman. Lots of great pictures. Who have you been the most excited to meet as a result of your music? Well, being that we have just lost our 41st president of the United States um, a couple of days ago, I had the great, great honor of performing for President George H.W. Bush. And um, that was very exciting. That was, I mean, I've I've also sung for President Clinton and, and President Ford. President Bush was a very, very, very special man. And he was a very kind and generous man. And after I performed for him at a presidential gala, he came up to me and said to me, he, he made the effort to find me 
and come to me and say, you are fabulous, and I want you to come to the White House. And that was such an honor for him to come to me. You know, when you sing for the President of the United States, I have to tell you, I don't care whether you're a Republican or Democrat or Independent, it's, it, it's, it's a feeling that you can't even describe. Can't even describe. I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've sung for, for, you know, as I said, that has to stand out. And especially, you know, within the last week, it's, it's made even more of bringing back memories, you know, of performing for him. I also performed at the, which was one of, one of my standout moments. I did the Bob Hope Desert Classic in Palm Desert many years ago, and I was on the show with Frank Sinatra, of course, Bob Hope, Vic Damone, John Denver, and that was an evening I will never forget either, and it's very, very, very exciting. A lot of legends there. Oh, yes, yes. A lot of stories, too. (laughs) I always like to give the microphone to the guest. And just let them address the audience, and you can go anywhere you want. Whatever you'd like to say to the people listening. I will tell my audience, and my audience is in the dark, as we don't always see them, that I thank them for being who they are, because without you, the audience, I don't have a job. I don't have a career. So I thank them so much for coming to my shows and being fans and and understanding what I do. So I thank all of you out there because without you, we are nobody. We are absolutely nobody. And uh, we appreciate all the time that you come and, and spend your hard-earned money to see us. And it's, it's very gratifying. And um, you're not lost. You are, even though you're in the dark, you are there for us, and I thank you all so very much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you can visit rosekingsley.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thank you so much, Paul. It's been a great, great, great time spent with you, and uh, hopefully look forward to having you uh, at one of my shows. Oh, that would be fantastic. Maybe the Savannah one. That would be great, yes. We're planning one in Savannah with Mr. For, uh, for the Mercer family. And they will be there. By the way, the Mercer family does come to my shows when we do our Through the Years with Johnny Mercer. Uh, the grandsons and Mandy, who is still alive. Mandy Mercer is Johnny's daughter. And she lives here in Palm Springs. She's bedridden a lot, but she's she's okay in the sense that she um she has a very bad case of emphysema but um she does get out and uh, i go visit her quite a bit and she uh, as well as her grand her children have said to me you know our grandfather would have loved you so a great compliment wow well thank you so much i appreciate this Oh, thank you, Paul, and uh, look forward to um, seeing you soon. Absolutely. Until next time. Okay, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. 
If you enjoy these interviews, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. You can help us by listening on the free Radio Public app. The show can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or Overcast. For more information, visit thepaulleslie.com or follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at The Paul Leslie. The Paul Leslie Hour theme song is performed and composed by Jeff Pike. Outro music is performed and composed by John Goodwin. See you next time on The Paul Leslie Hour. <laughs>